Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in the motorcycle industry right to you. I'm Dave Sulecki. I'm Dale Spangler. And this week, our guest is the team owner of MP13 Racing, Melissa Paris. Moto America is the official sponsor of Pit Pass Moto. Moto America, home of AMA Superbike and North America's premier motorcycle road racing series, features 10 rounds and 20 races of the best motorcycle racing on two wheels. That's seven classes, including Superbike, Supersport, Junior Cup, Stock 1000, Twins Cup, and the ever-popular King of the Baggers and Roland Sands Super Hooligans. Don't miss a minute of the action with Moto America Live Plus video on demand streaming. Tickets, info, and a complete schedule can be found at MotoAmerica.com. And be sure to follow Moto America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Before we get to this episode's guests, we're going to hop into this week's Pit Pass Moto All Access segment, where we share and discuss industry news, racing, and observations. This week's topic, Brainerd, Minnesota, Moto America. Sunday's race marked the 150th race in Moto America era, which began back in April 15th at the Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. The winner that day, four-time AMA Superbike champion Josh Hayes who happened to be racing this weekend at Brainerd in the Supersport class. So lots of exciting action going on. Unfortunately, though, the weekend started with the tragic passing of one of the racers that has been described as everyone's friend, Stock 1000 racer Scott Riotti, at age 50, after a qualifying crash, passed away, unfortunately. Our condolences go out to uh, his family and friends, and uh, it's a tough part of our sport that unfortunately happens sometimes. Scott's uh, situation, uh, just sad, and thoughts and prayers out to him and his family. We've lost some big names over the years. Obviously, everybody remembers Dale Earnhardt passing away on the racetrack. That's a big name in motorcycle racing specifically. Names like Josh Lichtel and Marco Simoncelli that have passed away during a race event just, uh, just really hits hard and reminds everybody that when you strap on that helmet and you sign your waiver and you go out on the racetrack, that it is a possibility. Definitely makes for a mentally challenging weekend for the racers and families when something like this happens. But as part of racing, it seems like you just have to put it aside and, and go out there and, and do their jobs. Speaking of doing their jobs, you know, I thought Gagne was going to be on this run of streak of wins. He took his fifth race win in a row on Saturday in race one, eighth of the year. 25th career win, and then Sunday's round comes around and he crashes out and pretty much destroys his Yamaha R1. So just when we thought Gagne was probably going to be putting himself back into a, a runaway lead, crashes out in race two and 
hands the lead back to Petrucci, who now has a 13-point lead with three rounds and six races left. What I really find interesting about Petrucci and that whole situation, there was a lot of drama, a lot of back and forth, some elbows getting thrown as the season kind of developed. I got to give him full credit because he's a stranger in a strange land racing against uh, people he's never raced against on tracks he's never been on, and he's leading the points in the series. I've actually seen some interviews, and he's a likable guy, and he's kind of kind of changed his tune. I imagine that uh, there's some language barrier there also between him and the others that race in Superbike. But uh, it's good to see the rivalry develop, and it's become a friendly rivalry at this point in the season. So that was my takeaway from watching Superbike this weekend is things have calmed down and they've gotten back to racing, and it's 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 really cool to see that. Well, definitely was unfortunate for Gagne, but it certainly, as a fan of the sport, it tightens things up again and, and makes it interesting. Speaking of interesting, though, like how about – Rocco Landers, though, in Supersport. Wow. He just seemed like he 17-year-old kid. I think a lot of people expected a lot of Rocco. This is his second year in Supersport. But wow, he just came out and did the double, won both races in Supersport in dominant fashion. I think Sunday's race he won by, I think, almost 15 seconds. So, wow. I, I kind of wonder now, is this the confidence he needed to kind of get on a streak? Yeah, hard to say. Rocco's a, definitely a talented rider, and uh, anybody who can beat Josh Aaron in that class is is doing pretty good. But uh, I got to wonder who Melissa Paris roots for on weekends like this when Josh Hayes and Corey Ventura are not only on the same track, but in the same class together. I was laughing, too, because they were battling pretty hard. Speaking of that, Corey Ventura ended up taking the win in the Twins Cup class for Melissa Paris's team, so a big congrats to her on that. On to Stock 1000, though, Corey Alexander got his fifth race win in a row. Of course, it was another kind of emotional second place for Brandon Posh. Brandon happens to be dating Scott Briotti's daughter, so it was a very emotional podium finish for Posh. Again, it, was, it just had to be a tough weekend for everybody. And definitely a tough weekend. And King of the Baggers, we saw some carnage in that challenge race. Tyler O'Hare and Kyle Wyman kind of cartwheeling their bikes down the track. There was a lot of plastic flying every which way. Bobby Fong takes that win. But it seems like in King of the Baggers, the the, the news is always, uh, who's going to bang into who first? And uh, what's going to be the outcome? I know... Uh, Kyle in the final uh, King of the Baggers race was DQ'd. I guess he uh, spilled some oil on the track, which really kind of changed things up. But Travis is now leading the series over uh, O'Hara by three points. So uh, interesting, always interesting racing with King of the Baggers and some back and forth. Certainly one of my favorite watches from the weekend. Another cool point for me was Kayla Buck emerges as the winner of the Royal Enfield Build Train Race. And I'm really impressed with this series. You know, I watched the entire race from this last round at Brainerd. Unbelievably close racing. And what these girls do, they they work on the motorcycles. They race the motorcycles. Such a cool series. And it's good to see them getting so much attention. And like I said, the, the racing action was super close all the way down to the finish. And so I have to say, Brie Poland, who puts that series together, has to be super proud of the progress of that series. Speaking of that, I also want to give a just kudos to Moto America in general. I feel like they're doing such a great job with their television package, their marketing. The programming is just top-notch. They're super on top of it. You can go to their website and get news really easily. So it's just been really fun watching this series. All the racing, it seems like, no matter what class you're in, has just been super close, tight action. It's doing a great job with that series. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. We'd like to welcome back to uh, Pit Pass Moto, Melissa Paris. She is team owner of MP13 Racing, a racer, crew chief, mom, and uh, you wrangle Josh Hayes from time to time. Uh, <laughs> Melissa, thanks for coming back on the show. How's things going? Thanks for having me, guys. It was nice to have an excuse to lock myself in a quiet space for a couple of minutes. There you go. You get a few minutes apiece. So, yeah. Uh, you had to have a crazy weekend. I can imagine wearing so many hats, jumping back and forth between managing a race team and making sure Josh has got his goggle or got his helmet on right and uh, things are going right. So talk about uh, how things went for you this weekend. Yeah, you know, it was a pretty, it's a wild weekend when we're racing and Josh is racing as well. I was lucky this weekend in that Josh, you know, he's riding for another team and, you know, at 47 years old, he's figured how to strap his own helmet on finally. So <laughs> I'm able for the most part to just focus on what Corey and I have going on, make sure we're ready to do what we need to do. But for sure, trying to make sure it's okay and I'm ready so I can peel myself away to watch super sport while they're on track. It's definitely nice to be able to do that. So how about that, though? Corey went in both races this weekend. Just That had to have been just your highlight with uh, all the hard work you guys have been putting in this year to get things going. Anyone who's been following along knows we had a really rough start to our season. We took two DNFs from Daytona, and then between Daytona and Atlanta, Corey threw himself off his dirt bike, so he was kind of walking wounded for a while. And I was definitely starting to feel a little dejected and frustrated. So to have it start to come around at Laguna Seco with the win and then come here and break the track record for pole and, and get another win was just, I mean, I'm not ready to throw myself off the bridge anymore. So <laughs> things, are, things are definitely looking up. So after uh, riding for you in 2018, so you re-signed Corey Ventura this year to race the uh, YZFR7 and Twins Cup for your team. So how did that come about? Did you guys kind of stay close through the years since he rode for you? Yeah, you know, after Corey rode for me in 2018, he knew he wanted to make the jump to Supersport. And at that time, it just financially like wasn't really feasible. You guys know how expensive racing is. And Supersport especially can be a really difficult class to, to try and put together a good effort for. So he kind of went and did his own thing for a couple of years. But we're, you know, we're like family at this point. So we stayed friends. And then actually we were at the Yamaha press launch for the R7 and Josh and I both rode it for the first time. And it was almost like we locked eyes. We were like, we got to go race twin stuff and we need Corey to ride this thing. Like it was just, we knew what we had to do like immediately when we rode it. Yeah. It seems like you guys just have, you know, just this good chemistry. And like you said, like family, you know, like it seems like you guys really connect. Yeah, I mean, he lives with us pretty much 
at the time when we when we made plans, he was still at home in Northern California working at Costco and racing on the weekends. And he quit his job and he moved in with us and him and Josh have been training together. And now, I mean, we've pretty much been on the road since we're at Atlanta. We haven't been home and he's driving one rig and we're driving the other. And we're just like this really big, weird, messed up family. But I wouldn't have it any other way. So I read this interesting quote that I'm curious about from you. It says, it's always been in your heart to want to run your own team but for the past two years, you've been adding to your skill set. And what what skill set is that that you're referring to? Is that like becoming a crew chief? And I'm just really curious. That was an interesting quote. It was kind of weird. I never really meant to quit racing. It was just things change. You know, you start to have more responsibilities and you need to earn a living. And I don't want to get a real job. I don't want to grow up. And so, you know, in 20, like 18 and 19, I did some stuff with Corey in Junior Cup and I did some stuff with Josh in Super Sport, which was huge. I think I learned so much those couple races that Josh and I did together because it's almost like having training wheels when you have someone like Josh riding for you. Because, you know, the debrief, it was almost like he was kind of coaching me into the answers because a lot of times he already knew what we needed. But at some point I had to I had to go work with other people and, and see who else I could learn from. So in 2020, I, I was really lucky to work with Cam Peterson over at Altus and we won a championship together. But that was, to me, that was like the true test. Like, I'm going to go work for someone else and I'm going to have to do stuff their way. And I'm going to work with a writer who's not a child or my husband. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, I learned a lot that way. And and then in 2021, I worked with Hunter who was riding out from under the West V10 and I mean, we all know how successful those guys are. So to be able to work with Ed Sullivan and Jeff Giacchetto, like the amount of stuff they taught me w- was unbelievable. As far as reading data or messing with electronics or writer aid strategies, or even just how to talk to a writer. Like I had to learn that stuff to be able to go do it on my own. And I'm so lucky that I had some of the best in the business that were willing to teach me what they know. And now you've you've gotten that opportunity to also take your on-track knowledge and pass that on to uh, some young racers in that BTR program. And I think that's what's really cool about that is you've got that because of your background, you've got that opportunity to share that knowledge. What's that what's that been like for for you? Coincidentally, I'm actually not working with the BTR program anymore after Road America, but I still believe so much in that program. And I was actually just talking to a couple of the girls about it this weekend. I never built a race bike before I did BTR as a participant in 2020. I I did the flat track program. And that was literally the first time in all the years I've been riding that I had a brand new bike show up in a crate and and I had to figure out how to turn it into a race bike. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that was life-changing for me. Because before that, I never would have even dreamed I was capable of doing something like that. And then, you know, since then, I, I mean, I've built bikes for other people now. Like, you know, when you have someone call you up and ask you to build them a bike, it's wild. And then now it's only 2022 and a motorcycle that showed up to me as a stock street bike with, with mirrors on it was in the winner's circle this weekend. Like, and I, I made that thing. So I owe that to that BTR program because I never would have even thought I was capable of that. And seeing how life-changing that's been for me and being able to share that with the girls coming into it was, I mean, it's huge. Like 
a couple of the girls who are a part of the program last year came by to visit me and they called themselves my little ducklings because the first couple of times we were on track, they're all like lined up behind me like a mother duck and her ducklings. And they gave me this little plaque and I felt like it might be one of my most treasured trophies because racing means so much to me. So to get to be a part of someone else's beginning, it's really an honor as far as I'm concerned. I've seen on your social media that you've done some off-road riding, which uh, is <laughs> something kind of I'd never really noticed before, but uh, I, I saw you riding a dirt bike and I think that's pretty cool. So I'd, uh, do, do you get to do that often? Is that something that uh, you seek out racetracks or off-road riding or what's, what's, uh, what's your jam? It's funny you mention it. When I got into road racing straight away, everyone told me I needed to get a motocross bike and learn to ride dirt bikes to be a better road racer. So Josh and I have always ridden motocross a couple days a week. I've never been particularly good at it, but I do enjoy it. It's a lot of fun for me. And then actually in 2020, I kind of got introduced to off-road riding on accident. I had a one of my world endurance teammates was coming to visit me from France and I signed us up for a Destriavic girls camp. And like, you guys are going to laugh. Like, I didn't know. Like, I didn't even know that kind of riding existed. I was just like, oh, well, I don't know. We're going to go ride dirt bikes and like learn stuff. And all of a sudden with Destry, I was in this pack of like 30 girls and they were riding their bikes over all this gnarly stuff that I did not know dirt bikes could go over. And If I hadn't been with a group of girls who were all just fully sending it in front of me, I probably would have been like, heck no, I'm not doing this. But my like pride was on the line and I like totally just got peer pressured into it. It actually like really changed my mindset. And I'm so sad that I didn't get into it 15 years ago because I feel like with off-road and enduro, like you can get yourselves in these situations where you're looking at like some gnarly rock garden or river crossing or something. And I'll look at it and be like, yeah, there's no way I'm going to make it, but I'm going to try anyway. And I feel like a little bit of that mindset and being comfortable with failure would have helped my road racing a lot. Like, I think I would have been a better racer if I could have like gotten okay with failure, which I think is the number one thing off-road riding has taught me. You fall down so much. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's fine. Like, nobody laughs at you. Like, you just pick it up and you just keep trying. So, in that way, I'm in love with it. Like, I really do love it. And I am so awful at it. There's not words for how bad I am at it, but it's really fun. Yeah, it's got to be fun. And of course, it's going to make you, like you said, a more well rounded rider, you know, picking up some different skills. But I also saw where it looks like you recently spent some time in Colorado. And did some dual sport riding. So tell us a little about that. Because I, I love dual sport riding. I just bought myself a new Royal Enfield Himalayan. So I'm excited to get back out again. But yeah, I just, I love it. You know, like especially in that, you, when you get in the mountains, it's it's a totally different world when it comes to dual sport riding. But that had to have been a blast. Okay, that Himalayan is awesome, by the way. And you are going to love it. Like I've ridden those a little tiny bit and they're just so stupid fun. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy that. But yeah, this was my first time like really doing dual sport. And it's it's funny because a sponsor of ours lined it up. He's an Arma racer and he rides a ton of off-road. And I should have known that when he said, we're just going to go ride some dirt roads and head up to the mountains and have lunch, that he was full of it. Because him and his buddies <laughs> pulled us off into some wild rock gardens and like really steep. I mean, we went through a 12,000 foot pass 
and Kyle Wyman was along for it. And there was like definitely a moment where we're sitting like on this top of the ridge and both of us might've had a sense of humor failure. It was crazy. Like, and, and again, like we were on the Yamaha, those Tenere 700s and they're, they're pretty tall for someone like me. So there was so many moments along the way that I was like, yeah, there's no way. Like I, like this is impossible. I'm not going to be able to do it. And then you just stand up on the foot pegs and give it the gas and suddenly you're where you wanted to go and it all worked out fine and you've got a great story afterwards. So for sure, it was super fun, but it was way harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, especially on those, you know, the bike's a little heavier than a dirt bike. Those, uh, those Teneries and the, the big ADV bikes for sure. I think that was like half the reason I stayed up a lot of times because it was like, I don't want to have to pick this bike up. So I will defy the odds and stay upright. <laughs> so kind of back to, we were talking about the, you know, the build train race by Royal Enfield and just how, just how cool it is, what it's doing for the sport, for women in racing and, you know, learning how to build motorcycles. But then you have riders like Kayla Yakov, who's just doing so well in the, in the junior cups. She won again this last weekend. To me, it seems like the future is looking pretty bright for uh, female racers. Like, what are your thoughts on that? A thousand percent. Like, Kayla is absolutely crushing it. And I've been following her since she was just a little, little teeny tiny kid. So I'm not surprised at all by what we're seeing out of her. I do think the future is bright. You know, I've played a lot of sports in my life, <laughs> um, like normal, more traditional sports. And I don't feel like I found another sport in this world that is as welcoming to women as motorcycle road racing is. Even I've got some girlfriends who are race car drivers and they talk about you know, some of the stuff they deal with that we just don't. Like, honestly, I feel like this paddock is very welcoming to women, whether whether that's as a racer, a mechanic, a crew chief, a team owner, you know, whatever it is, like there's people have definitely made space for us, which is huge. And I think the more we see people putting their little girls on, on motorcycles when they're young, the more Kayla's we're going to see. Because that, you know, I think that's the difference. I wish I knew what the statistic is for every... For every female five-year-old learning to ride a dirt bike, I don't know how many boys there are. So I'd like to see that even out because then I think it's just a numbers game and eventually you know, we're going to see more female champions. You know, We just need more girls getting that opportunity when they're young versus when they're 21 like I did. Thank you for being uh, somebody who can uh, show them the way, as, as, as they say, as young racers look up to uh, people like yourself and see that you had great success, not only on the racetrack, but behind the scenes, managing a race team, sorting out a motorcycle. That's all good stuff. I've been really lucky. Like I said, this this whole industry is so welcoming. And I feel like I have so many friendly faces and mentors in this paddock that I can go up to and ask for help and and they give it freely. So I love to talk about like raising women up, but I got to be honest with you, there's a ton of men in this in this paddock that have done so much to help me and I'm really grateful to that cuz without that help like none of this would have been possible. So kind of shifting gears a, a little bit. I know you uh, before we went on air, you talked about uh, your fun mover, you've got the full-size rig. I just wonder if that's going to bring an end to uh, your track shower review. <laughs> videos on your social media because I really enjoyed uh, the uh, the suspense that those brought. It's definitely not going to bring an end to it. We have like an ongoing battle between Josh and I about showering in our fifth wheel. So I'm not sure how many gallons of water this thing holds, but most racetracks we go to, 
don't have water and sewer hookups. So you can't make it through a full weekend with, we've got three adults and two kids in here that need to bathe every night. Generally speaking, I do use the showers at the racetrack. So rest assured, you will still see those. I, I'm a little bit sad. I was going to try to like buck up the courage to do one here at Brainerd. But the showers here look like someone may have been murdered in them at some point. They are really, really bad. So I knew I could have gotten a really funny review for you guys. But I just could not get myself to use it. It just wasn't happening. They've got they've got water and, and sewer hookups for the RVs here. So each night I was like, tonight's the night. I'm gonna I'm gonna go over there and like take a shower and do a review. And then I was like, no, nah, I'm not gonna do that. I just can't make myself. <laughs> yeah, after all the racetracks I've gone to over the years, uh, you know, you can say that about porta potties and and bathroom facilities <laughs> in general are certainly not uh, their number one priority when it comes to uh, running a race event. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to pit race. They actually have great showers there, so I'm looking forward to going back there. <laughs> Well, let's hope so. Let's hope they at least have hot water. That would probably be a, a good start. Oh, it's funny you say that because I that's going to be a key part of my shower review, but I'm not going to reveal it until Sunday night because I know the secret shower there that always has hot water. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We don't want to let the cat out of the bag on that one. Yeah. I got to wait until I'm done using all of the hot water. So. <laughs> So uh, kind of going along this theme, you guys are always on the road. I see a lot of stuff posted on social media and you're always traveling as a family, which is awesome. Love to see it. What are some of your favorite moments from traveling on the road? Oh, gosh, there's so many of them. But I think a lot of like my favorite moments are just kind of like they're not really like big moments. You know, we've, we've gotten to go see a lot of things. We went to Rocky Mountain National Park. We went to Zion. Oh, we went to Yellowstone. Like we've seen all these really cool things. But to be honest with you, like, you know, I posted something in my Instagram story about it. To me, the biggest like thing that's so huge is, you know, like on Friday here at the track, we had a pretty big tragedy. We lost a racer and it was just awful. And to me, it was such a blessing to be able to walk two minutes and more or less see my house with my whole family inside of it parked right here, you know? So after being through, like going through something so terrible to be able to like come home and have my home and my family close to me, like right then, instead of being sitting in like a sterile hotel room, you know, by myself with my kids at home being watched by someone else. Those are the things I feel like I appreciate most about being able to bring my family to work with me, you know? So whether we're celebrating a win like we did on Saturday or a terrible loss like Friday, like being able to go through all of those highs and lows with my whole family is just... Honestly, I don't think I'd do it any other way at this point. Like, I don't think there's a way that I could just, Josh and I could just leave and come here and do it by ourselves and leave our kids at home. Yeah, the motorcycle community certainly does, you know, really circle the wagons and get together when when something like this does happen. And so I can I can definitely relate, you know, with that moto family being able to, you know, be around everybody in those moments. One question I do have, though, is like, so what what's next then for MP13 racing? Like, do you have some some short-term and long-term goals coming up for the rest of this year and then into the future? Yeah, you know, at this point, short-term goals is just to try and keep keep the momentum going that we have. We've got two races in Pittsburgh, one in Jersey and one in Alabama. And, you know, it's four opportunities to to get another win. So I just want to get as many as we can. We're, we're so far from the points race for the championship at this point. I just want to end on a high note. So I just want to win everything in sight. So. That's kind of Corey and my short-term focus. 
And, you know, as far as next year, I don't know. I would love to be back and, and do this again. I feel like we're really starting to figure this R7 out. So if there was an opportunity to race with this bike again next year, I would love it. But you guys know how it is. Uh, it's always a matter of finding sponsors and the budget to keep going, you know? So this year has been a challenge. Uh, just something as simple as like the price of diesel going through the roof has really done a number on the race budget. So I'm hoping, you know, we're going to talk to some sponsors as the season wraps up and, and hopefully we can find a way to kind of keep it going, you know, long-term. Man, I want to, I want to run a superbike team someday. That's always the dream. That's awesome. And I think, you know, everyone would agree, you know, we definitely want to see you and MP13 racing on the, in the Moto America paddock for sure. And I think I even saw where you have a, you have some type of a Patreon page that maybe you can tell our listeners about that, where they can support you and your team. Yeah, it's really cool. We did um, we did a Patreon thing this year, so people they can support at a couple different levels, and in return, you know, we do some videos or at different levels some you know one on one conversations, and it's just kind of another way that some of our fans can help support us and keep the team going and then also help us build a little bit of a community, you know, with those people. And it's been really fun because I've gotten to know a couple of these guys like even better. You know, it's a lot of friendly faces that we see at the racetrack anyway. But to be able to have a way to sort of chat between races or have them say, hey, I'm, I'm curious to know about such and such with the race bike. Like, can you do a video and tell us about it? And also like opening up to them in a way that maybe you wouldn't do in a big social media post to the whole world, but being able to tell them like, oh yeah, like here's what happened when things went bad. Like here's the mistake I made or, you know, whatever it is. It's been kind of cool because you you do kind of develop like a a more like real bond with these people that way. So I've been really grateful for that and for the support, of course, that they've given us to be able to keep racing. Well, we wish you nothing but the best going forward the rest of the season. And uh, again, we hope to see you back next year. You're, you're always welcome to come back on our show. Love having you on. And uh, if there's anybody else you'd like to kind of give a shout out to and where people can find you on social media and if you have any websites, now would be the time to share it with our listeners. Yeah, for sure. You can follow what we're up to either on my Instagram, which is just Melissa Paris 13 or on the race team one, which is MP13 Racing. And of course, I want to say a big thank you. I'm going to try not to do the Supercross thing where I just like read a big list off, but here we go anyway. Huge, 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 huge thank you to Yamaha because for sure none of this would be happening without their support. They're really trying to get the word out about this R7 and what a versatile bike it is. And we're really happy that they chose us to be a part of that. After that, we want to thank Moto Up, which is an amazing charity which helps support veterans and first responders so if you get a chance check them out on instagram moto up usa also big thanks to one cure maxima behringer sbs moloko arai and a racer attack racing yoshimura dunlop and of course moto america for giving us a place to go play awesome well thanks so much melissa once again appreciate your time today thanks for having me guys i appreciate it If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow Pit Pass Moto on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review our show. We'd really appreciate it. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our blog, listen to past episodes, 
and get your very own Pit Pass Moto swag. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, producer Leah Haslidge, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm Dave Sulecki. I'm Dale Spangler. See you next week on Pit Pass Moto. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.